This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Monday, November 8th, and today, as we do every Monday, we are looking at some key fantasy takeaways from the weekend that was in the NBA and what it might mean or possibly not mean moving forward. We will look at some key injuries to players we drafted in early rounds, a notable injury return in Toronto, some uh, leftover waiver wire pickups that we didn't hit on the Friday episode, and much more as we welcome in Steve Alexander. I was going to say something. I I was like going to say a nickname or something, but I just said Steve Alexander. We're sticking with it. Well, yeah. It's my name. (laughs) How's it going, man? You know, it's uh, it's going fine. It's going fine. The uh, the Atlanta Falcons won an exciting. I think we have to continue our tradition here of talking for about forty seconds off the top about a non NBA Atlanta sports note. So I'll just say the Atlanta Falcons pulled off a big win on Sunday over the New Orleans Saints. And if the playoffs started today, I was just reading Steve. The Falcons would be in it. I think the Falcons had the biggest collapse in that game since. The Falcons had the biggest collapse of all time in a big game several years ago. I I don't actually know. I had a surgery to remove that part of my brain, so I don't actually know what you're talking about. It sounds vaguely. F- I did the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind for that uh, for that game you're talking about. So it, vague memory, but yeah, they did try to blow it. They did win. Uh, Matt, I was looking at I uh, not not to gloat, but I'm in first place in the uh, draft edge. Hmm. Or the uh, Edge Sports draft that we did. Yeah. And uh, that was the one where I took Luca at number one controversially and then got LaMelo and MPJ on the turn. And if Luca ever starts playing and and Porter ever starts doing his thing, that team is going to be really, really good. But uh, I think the, the key was I went back-to-back Miles Turner and Jared Allen Man. Uh, rounds four and five. And that Jared Allen, Jared Allen pick has turned out to be kind of special so far. Miles Turner, too, recovering from the toe injury. I've been looking at every Miles Turner box box score because I just remember he was a guy who was having a really hard time figuring out in my draft. So much of his value was tied up in blocks last year. Where do you draft him? I think it turns out we were all, Miles Turner, a guy we were all too low on heading into the season. Um, he's been a draft day steal. I also got Al Horford in round 11, and that was that was pleasant also. I want to talk about Al Horford. Actually, we're going to have a little Al Horford conversation later on the show. And the last thing I'll say before we move to some of our weekend takeaways is LaMelo Ball is so far doing what we thought he might do, which is make that leap into the fantasy first round. So that is pretty exciting stuff as well. He's looking pretty much uh, like, I mean, I think he's 10th overall in nine category leagues right now. Yeah. So that's pretty thrilling. It is. All right. So off the top, Steve, quickly in what's becoming a great Monday tradition. We couldn't (laughs) remember whether it was last Monday or Monday before Joel Embiid out tonight due to rest, first of a back-to-back for the Sixers, so really kind of business as usual, essentially, right, Steve? Well, I was I was sitting here, and that news came across my phone, 
And it reminded me that, oh, I need to set my DFS lineup and go immediately plug Andre Drummond into it as fast uh -huh. as I can. <laughs> yeah. This is what I did. So it's done. It's done. Yeah. Uh, so we assume uh, Embiid will be back on Tuesday night against the Bucks. He misses the Monday game against the Knicks. Meanwhile, uh, we have a lot of places we could start this breakdown of what happened over the weekend. But let's start in Toronto where Pascal Siakam is back. Uh, returned with 15 points, four rebounds, one steal, two blocks, and one triple in 25 minutes on Sunday. So he looks good right away for those who gambled on drafting him. You ended up waiting not very long at all to get Siakam into your lineup. So another looking like great draft day discount. And the other takeaway for me, Steve, from that is that Scotty Barnes, who I guess the conventional wisdom was might take a hit when Siakam is back. So far, so good. Eight points, seven rebounds, four dimes, five steals for the rookie in Siakam's first game back. I think he played 31 minutes. He played 31 minutes. He started that game along with Siakam and Anunoby. So that's all That's all good news for Scotty, Scotty Barnes. <laughs> Dude, I wait, I just got to say... Ever since you did that, uh, like Scotty that Dump. Austin Powers line a few weeks ago, it is it is now a virus in my brain where every time I look at Scotty Barnes on a fantasy roster, I'm like, Scotty, don't. <laughs> and uh, you have totally ruined me as a human being. So thank you for that. Yes. Thank uh, I'm I'm glad that I could do my part. Yeah. So I, I think uh, one of the key themes to this season is so far getting guys at a discount you know, we didn't know when Siakam was going to be back. We didn't really know when Karis mm -hmm. LeVert was going to be back. And, you know, if you went out on a limb for either one of those guys, you know, it's a pretty quick turnaround. Like you hardly even noticed they were gone. So good for y'all if you ended up with them on your team. Uh, Chris Boucher update. I called him Boucher. That's right. Nine minutes. Yeah. Nine minutes. Nine minutes. That's all you need to know. Thank you, Nick Nurse. Chris, I thought the Chris Boucher update was that you called him Chris Boucher and we were just going to be done, but I'm glad there was a second part to that. <laughs> and then Precious, Precious Achua still got 27 minutes off the bench. So um, he's sitting out there in one of my leagues where I actually have <laughs> LaMarcus Aldridge. And I was like, oh, I need to drop Aldridge and pick up Achua, but Aldridge plays on Monday, Achua doesn't. So I'm going to attempt to make that move in the middle of the night on Tuesday morning, but he may very well be gone by then. Anyway. That's interesting. We should note that Ken Birch did not play in that game. So that Achua's minutes, once Birch returns, will be worth watching. But either way, I think things are looking very good for Scotty Barnes and Siakam to coexist. They did not draft Scotty Barnes where they drafted him to not play him, especially with how, he, how good he's looked. So clearly they're planning on these guys working together. So excellent news for those who drafted uh, Siakam and Scotty Barnes. So we start on a positive note, Steve, which is always nice, but now we go to some not so good injury related news. This is per Bill Orm of The Athletic over the weekend. And that is that LeBron James could be sidelined with that abdominal strain much longer than the Lakers have said, Steve. So the initial timetable they put out, I think maybe Frank Vogel said this was a week or so, but uh, according to the Lakers former strength and conditioning coach he said initially in a post and Bill Orm wrote about this they could be looking at four to eight weeks and then Bill Orm followed up with him and he said even the most minor strain could take two to six weeks Steve so kind of some alarming news for those who draft alarming not totally shocking but 
brutal for those who drafted LeBron and had a first round player on their hands so far when he has been playing. Yeah. And, you know, a week or so to me is like one to three weeks. Because if you say, oh, he's, he'll be back in a day or so, to me, it's like one to three days. So a week or so is is potentially multiple weeks. Abstrains are really no joke. They take time to come back from just like oblique strains in baseball can can mess a guy up for a while. So the Lakers have also lost a couple games in a row. They lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder, blew a huge lead in that game. The good news, I guess, of the silver lining here is it should mean Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony all go off uh, while LeBron's on the shelf. But yeah, hopefully he's only out for, you know, 10 days, but it's a little ominous to hear that. And I think, Steve, the Lakers have lost to the Thunder twice this season now, haven't they? Did I make that up? Uh, they have. They have. Wow. They have lost wow. to the Thunder twice. Wow. And the Thunder have three wins. Okay. So, yeah, I, I was going to say, you kind of led me there. I mean, it seems like Melo is the main beneficiary in terms of if LeBron's out, if there's a guy who gets more volume. Um, things I did not be saying in the year 2021, 37-year-old Carmelo Anthony is averaging 16.5 points, 3.7 boards, 3.23s. He's getting defensive stats right now. Here we are. I mean, he's 77% rostered in Yahoo League, Steve. The problem is it's not like if you had LeBron and you ran to pick up Melo, you're getting the same stats. Those assists are just going to, I think, get devoured by Westbrook for the most part. And it's nice that Melo has some boost in value potentially while LeBron's out, but you're not overcoming that on your own fan. You know you know what I mean? The, the replacement in terms of assists is not someone you could have grabbed off of waivers. So it's it's tough situation for LeBron's fantasy managers, I guess, where I'm, what I'm trying to say here. Well, and it was a tough situation for the Lakers and anyone who used any of them in DFS uh, the last time out, was, which was against the Blazers. That was when Anthony Davis was iffy with his thumb injury, and he's like, oh, I'm good to go, I'm playing. And then he had that mysterious illness that limited him to seven minutes. That was also the same night that Russell Westbrook hit one of 13 shots. Uh, that was the night that all five Lakers starters failed to score more than eight points. So that was a lot of fun, Matt. Uh, crushing defeat to the Portland Trailblazers. All right, so let's move to the next piece of somewhat crushing injury news. Michael Porter Jr., uh, I think this happened on a breakaway, what should have been a breakaway dunk, turned into a breakaway layup, turned into a missed breakaway layup over the weekend. I think our NBC Sports Edge blurb may have referenced it looked like he blew a tire, but initially it looked like a quad issue for him. Uh, now it's being called lower back soreness. The bottom line is he left that game early. He is already out for Monday. Steve, how concerned are you about MPJ at the moment? Uh, I'm pretty concerned. Probably more concerned than most people because I have him on like seven teams. <laughs> so it's been a hor horrific start to the season for MPG. You know, I broke down his his shooting stats in the last dose that I wrote. I think it was uh, Saturday night for Sunday morning. You know, he shot over 50% from the floor his first two seasons. He shot 40% from three. He was shooting mm -hmm. well from the line his first two seasons. And this year all those shooting numbers are just in the gutter. They're like so low. Uh, it's ridiculous. And now, you know, he, he, the injury that held him back to start his NBA career was a back injury. So the fact his back is acting up is also a concern. 
And it also hurts because Denver plays four times this week. And even if MPJ's back injury is not serious, we know he's only going to play in three of those at the most. And like LeBron James, I would not be surprised if he sat out the whole week. I don't know. A little scared. Yeah, it's not great. As someone who drafted him multiple places as well, I was just sticking with it. You know, it just still felt like a slump as we talked about. The the rebounds were there. Some of his other supporting stats looked all right. So it just felt like he was going to get out of it eventually. But uh, yeah, now we got to wait a little longer. And I think the only thing you can really do, I think if you're in a deeper league, you go pick up PJ Dozier, who had six points, four rebounds, four assists, and three steals in their last game. That's really a deep league only situation for me or DFS. Would you agree there? Yeah. There's better players than Dozier available in most of my 12 team mm-hmm. leagues that I'm looking at. So Dozier's probably not at the top of my list, but he's he's definitely a guy we need to keep an eye on for these games when MPJ is out and see see how he looks. All right. Meanwhile, Ricky Rubio went full Olympic mode. Uh-oh. What just happened? Breaking news, Matt. Uh, Joel Embiid has entered health and safety protocols. Okay, so that is a significant update. Obviously, uh, no longer rest, Steve. So any word there on, remind me, do we know off the top of our head, do we know how many days that means he will miss? Uh, you know, you know, the expert on that is Jared Johnson. Okay. Like he's got the COVID protocol stuff memorized and he's he loves it he's really good at it this just says this just says tonight was planned rest and he i don't know if it said may miss more time or will likely miss more time but it's one of those two things i think last year it was seven to ten days like minimum seven to ten days i'm not sure if that i can't remember off the top of my head if that number has changed one of us while the other one is talking will do a little twitter research and we will try to determine that just a two-man podcast today so we can't send the third guy to do research on the fly the other breaking news why we're why we're here jalen brown is going to miss one to two weeks with a hamstring injury yeah so all kinds of good news over the over the twitter sphere this morning okay yeah uh he could so shamstrania shamstrania he could miss several games. That was as of one minute ago. So I think yeah. Drummond Drummond's rostered already in a in a pretty high number of leagues, right, Steve? Um, let's take a look at that, because I don't feel like he is. He is 77, um, 77% rostered in Yahoo. Is he really? Yeah. I wonder I wonder how many of those people are uh have Joel Embiid on their team. Makes sense to have them together. So potentially a big week shaping up for Andre Drummond. Steve, let's move to, and and by the way, just check back on NBC Sports Edge for more on the Embiid situation because I'm sure we will have updated blurbs to come there. Let's move to Cleveland, Steve, where Ricky Rubio, as I was about to say when that breaking news Ooh. hit, went full Olympic mode Ooh. on Sunday night. And by that, I mean he scored 37 points on 13 for 19 shooting with 10 assists. I think he was 8 for 8 on threes. Now, the catalyst for for this was that Colin Sexton bruised his knee and didn't return. I think only played 12 minutes. So with that said, you know, we're basically wondering, will Sexton be out again on Wednesday uh, when the Cavs play again? Because then you have another potential setup for a big game from Rubio. Otherwise, has I mean, does anything really change for you, Steve, given that it was with Sexton out? Uh, well, you know, I, I remember talking to you and maybe maybe <laughs> – Jared, maybe Jonas. I'm not sure. I was like, I think Ricky Rubio is going to play for them 
and and not be terrible this year. And everybody was like, eh, not really. He's not really in in Cleveland's plans. So I've actually got him on a few rosters, and that that magnificent stat line he put up uh, on Sunday helped me out in a couple of leagues. So Rubio's also sitting at thirteen point seven points. And 6.8 assists on the season. There's nothing wrong with those numbers. No. 1.2 steals also. There's not. But kudos to you for having him in your lineup. Because in his last four games before that explosion, he had shot 429. Eight for for 37 combined, if my quick math is right. Uh So he had been in, in a rough slump lately and then just absolutely exploded. But yeah, I mean... The overall numbers, he's you know essentially a top 100 player, like you said, around 14.7 assists. Absolutely, uh, a, va- a valuable guy to have. And I don't think you need to run out, run out there and get him. But if Sexton is going to miss time, you know Rubio could be a key pickup. All right, I had some people asking about Nikhil Alexander Walker over the weekend. Steve, he's really been struggling with his shot: 34.9 percent from the field, 26.3 percent on threes. This is a situation where. I look at the other supporting stats, and I still feel fairly good about it. 1.2 steals, 0.6 blocks, 2.03s. He's around five boards, two and a half assists. He's shooting well from the free throw line. So there's one part of his stat line that's broken, and it's his shooting. Steve, as someone who drafted or at least tried to draft Nikhil Alexander-Walker in a bunch of leagues, where are you on the panic-o-meter when it comes to him? Uh, I'm really not panicking. He's not not turning out to be as good as I thought he was going to be, but there's a long way to go and he's still getting tons of minutes, 31.3 minutes a game. Uh, like you said, his shots kind of broken. His numbers actually are, you know, Ricky Rubio's basically got better numbers than NAW does right now, which is a little concerning. It's a little frightening, but I'm still in, I'm still okay. He would be a trade target for me at this point, I think. Yeah. And now would be a good time to trade for him, not to trade him away. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Want to take a minute to remind you to download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter this week's free NBA pick and roll contest for a chance to win $50,000. This week, we're highlighting matchups between the Cavaliers 
and Wizards, Raptors and Celtics, and Knicks and Bucks on Wednesday. So if you don't have the Predictor app yet, download it now. Steve, we do the Waiver Wire podcast on Fridays. I just wanted to start the tradition on Monday of uh, picking up some Waiver Wire leftovers that we didn't mention on Friday or just some follow-up to the players we talked about on Friday. And I start with Nicholas Batum, who is very close to long gone in most competitive leagues, 48% rostered. But this is just a reminder that in four games last week, he averaged a very un-Batum-esque 15.5 points, then 6.8 rebounds, 1.8 steals, 0.8 blocks, 4.03s in those four games last week. Steve, are you ready to admit that Batum is a must-roster player? Yes. <laughs> I watched him play, I think he was playing against Lamella last night, and uh, he looked really good. And I I can't get my head around it, Matt, exactly, but yeah, um, I'm there. I was like, man, Batum looks really good. Yeah. I can't. I can't believe what's happening here, but it's true. I can uh, confirm. I received a, te- a text message at 10.09 p.m. Sunday night from you. said, Barnum out here balling. <laughs> I had no idea. Like, Barnum? Did he mean Scotty Barnes? Like, Scotty Barnes only scored eight points. He can't really... That couldn't really have registered on Steve's radar. But I think we have to start calling uh, Nicholas Batum Barnum. Old Barnum from now on, possibly. Could be a good nickname for him. Well, I think you could have come back with me and said, are you sure you're not talking about Bailey? You know, Barnum and Bailey. Bosch? Or you could have come back with, are you talking about Andrew Bynum? Bosch? Boucher? Uh, all right. Next name I want to talk about quickly is Furkan Korkmaz, who returned to action after missing a game, scored 25 points with six rebounds, seven threes on Saturday. Tobias Harris at the moment still sidelined. Korkmaz, 19% rostered. Steve, what does the look on your face mean? It means I did not realize that Furkan Korkmaz did that. I was I was not paying attention that day, which is good because we thought that's what he might do. That's why people were excited about picking him up when Harris went down. And, you know, now with this Embiid news, it's they're going to need people to score. So I think if, if you've got him, just hang on and see what happens. I might have to go uh, six or stack there, Steve, in your DFS lineup with Korkmaz and Drummond. Well, six or stack. I've got Maxi everywhere okay. uh, on my re- on my real teams too. You also texted me, Steve. Uh, in addition to your Barnum out here balling text, you also sent me just a text, <laughs> a one word text that said Eubanks. And I think that you were taking a little bit of a mini victory lap on Drew, Drew Eubanks, who you mentioned in our Jakob Pertle conversation on Friday. He had 14 points, 11 rebounds, three blocks, and 22 minutes in the Spurs' last game. Your thoughts. Well, I wonder if he's related to the great Bob Eubanks, the host of the Newlywed Game, which I loved as a kid. Uh, yeah, I mentioned Drew Eubanks the other day, and jo- Jonas literally like scoffed yeah, at me. He was like, not happy with you. He was not <laughs> happy with you. Come on. Don't come on to my waiver wired podcast and be talking Drew Eubanks trash, okay? He, I think he said Eubanks is trash or Eubanks is not good, something like that. Anyway, anyway, I rolled Drew Eubanks in DFS all week long, and it was a really pleasant, pleasant ride. <laughs> he had 14 and 11 with three blocks on Sunday. He had a nice game the game before that. And, you know, as long as Jakob Pertl's out, Eubanks is going to – he doesn't need many min- minutes to put up solid numbers. He blocks shots, which is nice. So I am there. He, he uh, Him and Thaddeus Young basically splitting time. 
in the middle. That has to be one of the first times that's ever been said about Drew Eubanks. He doesn't need many minutes to put up solid stats. I feel like that's th- that in the, in the the course of history. I feel like you're like one of the first ten people to ever say that. So congratulations. Oh yeah, maybe. And now I just pulled a Wisconsin accent out, man. I went, oh yeah, oh yeah, probably one of five. Okay. Oh yeah, I don't know where that came from. I'm still kind of trying to process that. I'm going to take a minute, but while I do, this is a deep league thing only. Gary Payton the second over last over three games last week averaged 13.7 points, 4.7 rebounds, 2.3 dimes, and 2.7 steals in just 18 minutes per game, Steve. This is becoming a bit of a thing for the Warriors. Gary Payton Jr. getting minutes. Gary Payton 2? I guess, do we always call him 2? GP2? I'm having, I haven't said his name out loud a lot, but it's kind of interesting. Are you intrigued Dose. in a deeper league, or does the 18-minute thing scare you away? I'm a little scared of him, but Jonas uh, and I played each other head-to-head in a league this weekend and i noticed that he had gp dose gp2 in his lineup and uh i was like that's interesting because i feel like there's better players out there but maybe maybe jonas thinks gp2 is is getting ready to take off and i i know when they talk about him on tv during the broadcast everybody's pretty fired up about him and he's very active on the court he looks he looks like he belongs he looks good he just needs more minutes so yeah i mean i'm intrigued I absolutely, when I watched him in the NCAA tournament a couple few years ago, I mean, I absolutely fell in love with him as a player. I thought he was absolutely electric. And I was like, man, this guy's going to be a good pro. And it has not happened to date, but it's cool to see him carving that out. And I think in a deeper league, either if the league's deep enough, you could keep him around a little while and see where this goes. But otherwise, it's like a streaming play in a deeper league. Uh, Yeah, why not? I wonder how many games those Golden State Warriors play this week. Let's have a look-see at that. Because... Gary Payton in, in a four-game week, I think, might be worth it. And they play four times, Matt. They play four times, including one of those one of those against the Hawks on Monday night. So if you are hearing this on Tuesday, they have three games remaining. The last leftover waiver wire name is one I just wanted to quickly run by you, Steve. I think I have a feeling I know where you're going to land, but it's Blake Griffin, who had 14 points, 11 rebounds, four threes on Sunday. It's noticeable that he's played 31, 27, and 28 minutes in his last three games. He's 18% rostered. Are you interested in Blake Griffin, maybe some points, boards, and threes? And yeah, I'm just going to leave it there. No. Yeah. No, not really. You know, but I I mean, I can't rule him out because I've got LaMarcus Aldridge on a roster, right? So if I I have LaMarcus Aldridge Mm -hmm. on a roster, who's to say I can't also have Blake Griffin? on a roster as well. So uh, maybe somebody I'd look at if, if I thought he was going to help me for the week and you know, my league, my league is deep and there's, there's not a lot of other things sitting out there. They do play four times this week. The Nets do first game on Monday. So again, it's Tuesday, they play three, but yeah, the Nets have rattled off, I think five wins in a row and Blake Blake's playing pretty well for them. Yeah. I give him a look in a four game week. Don't prioritize Blake Griffin over anyone with any sense semblance of upside. I think it goes without saying, though, if you're making waiver wire yeah. pickups. That that would be one where, like you said, the league is pretty deep or you already have a streaming lineup spot open. So exhaust all options on your waiver wire for upside before taking a swing there. Also, Matt, I watched, I watched a lot of Darius Baisley on Sunday, okay. and he kind of took over. He took over in that game late, and granted, 
I think that was oh no, that was the Clippers that went on a like twenty seven nothing run against the against the Hornets. But um the other late game was I think what Houston and OKC. Spurs, Spurs, OKC. Spurs OKC. So I was watching my boy Eubanks and my and my guy Baisley. And Baisley kind of took over at the end of that game and was doing some really cool things, rebounding wise, dunking wise, hitting three threes wise. And he's just a fun, he's just a fun player. I really enjoy Darius Baisley. Eleven points, eleven rebounds, four assists, a steal, a block, and a three in that game. He shot four for nine from the field, two for two from the free throw line. Only two turnovers after having 10 turnovers total his previous two games. But the good news about Baisley, Steve, is steals and blocks. He's right around one of each per game. The percentages are still an issue, but only 32% rostered. And there there are much worse guys to to stash at this point in the season than him when we talk about upside. Yeah, for sure. So, Steve, I wanted to close this episode out because I was looking at the first round in fantasy leagues at the start of week four, right? We're in week four. This is Basketball Monsters nine category rankings. So you've got Jokic, Curry, Paul George, Carl Anthony Towns, Jimmy Butler, Kevin Durant. That's the top six. No shockers there. No real stunners. LeBron was seventh before his injury. Uh, I'm skipping number eight for a moment. We'll come back to that. Number nine, you've got Miles Bridges, who we talked about a lot about on this podcast quite a bit last week. At 10, you've got his teammate, LaMelo Ball, who we said earlier this episode, we hoped he'd make the leap. He is. 11, you've got Chris Paul, who, speaking of guys, we were too low on once again. Here, here is Chris Paul once again doing it. And then you have Giannis at 12. So not a real shocker there. So most of these, you know, make sense. At number eight, though, the one I skipped over is... Al Horford, Steve. Al Horford, 35 years old. I know you drafted him in a lot of places. Do you have a cat coming in there? What's going on? Dude, this cat is all over me. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's one of the new cats. I don't even know its name. Gotcha. It's orange. He's pretty cool. He's I kind of like it. I'm, I'm not really a cat person, but he's. I've never heard him make noise before. That's the first time I've ever, ever seen that. He left. I got to pause my setup here. You said that's one of the new cats. How many cats do you guys have? Well, my daughter, um, my daughter brought home two cats uh, recently. So now we have two cats, normal cats that have been our cats for like eight years, indoor outdoor cats. And then that population doubled when gotcha. uh, Aves brought home two more cats unannounced and without permission. Got it. So you're pretty thrilled. You're pretty thrilled that one of these, one of these cats is now interrupting your podcast. It's just super psyched, especially... Uh, one of them got on the, the shelf in my office and knocked my Chipper Jones bobblehead off and it shattered into a thousand pieces. No. Yeah. That was the black cat. That was the black cat that I also, I'm, I never see that one. It lives in her room. If I could have one request for this season, it would be that while you and I are doing one of these podcasts, I see, kind of see a shelf over your left shoulder. I just want like a cat to climb up there and just like leap onto your head during this podcast and just see how you react. That's That's all I ask. Um, yeah, the fact that, yes, it, it might happen. It could happen. Okay. So where were we? What happened? Where were we? Uh, we were talking about Al Horford. Okay. Al Horford. So I know you drafted him a lot of places. You mentioned it already earlier. I've been thinking about this Al Horford thing and I think you'd be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You'd be making a mistake. I think if you didn't make some trade offers to try to trade Al Horford while he's churning out first round value, see what you can get, just explore it. But at the same time, 
I know I'm not going to be fooling anyone when the Al Horford trade offer pops into their inbox. They're not going to be like, man, Al Horford's a first rounder. I'll just uh, I'll just swap Miles Bridges for him. Al Horford's one spot ahead of Bridges. It's like we're not going to return an incredible return on the Al Horford offer, right? But here, the name I keep thinking about is if you had told me three weeks ago that I could draft Al Horford and immediately trade him for Bogdan Bogdanovich, I would have said, yes, I, I agree to that deal. And so like Bogdan's off to a little bit of a slow start for the Hawks. I, I was higher on him coming to the season. Uh, what are your thoughts, Steve? Because I mean, Bogdan Bogdanovich is ranked like 120th right now. Al Horford is ranked eighth. It feels a little weird to do that. Like, is that aiming too low with your Horford offer? Are you even trying to trade Horford? Has it crossed your mind? What are you doing with this explosive start you've gotten from Al Horford? Well, I like the way you said. I've been, I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot, <laughs> and you know, I, I envision you laying in bed at night just thinking about Al Horford. Like, how is he? how is this happening? Like, what is going on? Pretty accurate. You like tossing and turning, like can't sleep because you're just trying to figure out this, the complex mystery that is Al Horford's first round fantasy value. And I haven't really thought about trading him because I think like you said, it's not going to like, you're not going to sneak up on anybody with, with Al Horford. They're going to be like, what is this? We all know Al Horford's not going to return first round value all year. What's, what's wrong with you? But, I think aiming for a mid-round player like Bogdan is not crazy. Um, I'm a little worried. You know, we talked before the season about how deep the Hawks were and who's this going to impact. And, I mean, your guy Cam Reddish is up and down like a yo-yo. And Bogdan kind of has been too. And Kevin Herter's been a mess. And DeAndre Hunter's been either really good or not so good. And I think that's going to play a part with the Hawks all year. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know that Al Horford's actually going to go away. The Time Lord still we still haven't gotten the breakout from the Time Lord. He's trying. He's trying. But it's still not here. And the Celtics just love rolling Horford out there and Horford is he must be really dialed in and really focused on blocking shots because it seems like he's blocking three shots every night. Yeah. He goes out there and I don't really know how he's still doing that at his advanced age, but um yeah, I don't know. I, I'm i more, Matt, and this is probably a mistake, I'm more of a, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the Al Horford experience mm. and not necessarily run out and try to trade him. But I think you're right when you say, if you're not actively trying to trade Al Horford right now, you're making a mistake. So I'm probably making a mistake. Well, it's hard though, because for the reasons I said, I mean, it's almost like it doesn't, It's it makes him almost even harder to evaluate. You know, I might, maybe I will wait a couple weeks and see what he settles into and then it'll be easier (laughs) to try to trade him. But yeah. And by the way, as for, um, you mentioned lying awake, thinking about the mystery of Al Horford's value, pretty accurate. But I will also say, I may have said this once before here on the podcast, but on a while when I first started dating my wife or like, I don't know, we were, we'd been dating for a couple of years or whatever. She, you're nodding like you remember this. I've heard this story. Yeah. Should I tell it, retell it anyways? It only takes 30 seconds. Oh, absolutely. She yes. was, she was asleep. Like we're watching TV and she like fell asleep before me. And, uh, she's like lying there and, and all of a sudden in the middle of her sleep, she goes, Al Horford. <laughs> and then <laughs> like, like a few seconds later, a few seconds later, she followed up with free throw line. <laughs> so I, you know, as they say, that's when you, that's when you knew. When did you know? That's that's when you yeah. know, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Matt, before we get out of here, um, 
I was just looking at round two mm -hmm. basketball monster. Very interesting names on there. Also, Demar Derozan. Yep. Clocking in at thirteen. Dejounte Murray, fifteen. Harry Barnes at sixteen. That's crazy. Brogdon and Turner, Pacer teammates are there uh, in front of guys like Anthony Davis, James Harden. Also, John Collins and our guy Cole Anthony and Zach Levine, along with Rashawn Holmes, are in that second round of players. So there's a lot of um, a lot of interesting guys that are doing a lot more than we thought they were going to do at the beginning of the season. But I'm really excited for DeMar DeRozan to be in Chicago away from San Antonio where I can actually enjoy his game again and he can enjoy his game as well DeRozan is a guy who clearly I was too low on in fantasy leagues I think a lot of people are thinking that right now because yeah uh yeah that's that's working out pretty well well the whole can him and Zach Levine coexist yeah no way but absolutely they the are the Collins thing is interesting I noticed that he's shooting almost 60 percent from the field this year um on like 11 attempts per game he needs more shots and I don't know, Collins. Yeah, his numbers though don't really look that outlierish to me. Is that a word? Uh, I've noticed his passing mm -hmm. has gotten a lot better. He's at two and a half dimes this year. He's been making some really nice things. Have not been going great for the Hawks overall, but Collins' passing has been a little bit of a revelation. Like he's he's upped that part of his game. So I actually was kind of fading Collins in fantasy drafts just because I don't know. I drafted him everywhere last year, and it it was a little bit of a letdown. He's, uh, yeah. he's outproducing his ADP by a lot, so that's cool to see because I love John Collins. Yes, you do. You do love John Collins. That is that is true. So the Jalen Brown being out, the pickup is, I mean, is it, do you pick up Josh Richardson? I don't. With Jalen Brown possibly out for two weeks? I don't pick up Josh Richardson. You, you may. I'm um, looking at the Celtics. <laughs> I don't want to. You can, I just, where's the ceiling there? I don't know. Like, Jalen Brown out, 13 points, three assists, one block, one three. He did play 30 minutes. I mean, it's not Aaron Neesmith. He only played 20 in that last game. It probably is Josh Richardson, but, I mean, he had, like, a combined 10 points in their last two games before that. I just – Josh Richardson no longer has much fantasy appeal to me. You know, I just think of it as kind of a low ceiling, me low either. end, even with Jalen Brown out. And – I think the winner there is probably Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, Agreed. Probably not available. Agreed. I, I am not yeah. I am not picking up uh, Josh Richardson anywhere. I am not messing with Jay Rich either. No, thank you. All right. Well, I think we covered a lot here, Steve. Hopefully some of it was useful to those Did of it. you listening. Uh, I want to say don't forget to subscribe on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We're here Monday through Friday with new episodes every... Well, that's redundant. With new episodes throughout the regular season, Monday through Friday. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening and for watching live with us for those who is doing, were doing so. Talking on Mondays is always a challenge. Good luck this week, everyone. Steve, thanks. Talk to you soon. See you. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? 
Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 